Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Wednesday, April 29th, which means that there are now only five days left till May 4th, or as in uh, Star Wars Day, May the 4th be with you. Um... Dan, when, when's the first time you ever heard somebody use this phrase? You know, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I just feel like, I mean, especially as a teacher, every year for May the 4th, when school is actually, you know, in session in an actual building, we, mm-hmm. we always made sure that uh, everyone wore Star Wars T-shirts. We had uh, Star Wars music playing in between all the periods. We had the mm-hmm. best time with it because it's always been fun. And I've always sort of felt like, Disney and Lucasfilm should capitalize more on the merchandising aspect of this. Um, but it, I feel like it's just been around, what, what has it been, 10 years? Who knows? Well, see, now that's the thing. I, I, I did some uh, digging before today's show, and, and I came across a story that, first of all, I want you to validate that, you know, I, 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 you've heard this, but reportedly the earliest recorded use of the phrase was back in 1979. Uh, As the story goes, it was the day that Margaret Thatcher uh, took office as the first female prime minister of the United Kingdom. And supposedly members of Thatcher's political party uh, wanted to take out a full page newspaper ad to commemorate the occasion. And somebody in the uh, committee was was a huge fan of episode four, New Hope. And uh, supposedly noticed that the date that the, the new prime minister would be taking up residence at 10 Downing Street was May 4th. And this is why the congratulatory ad in the London Evening News uh, reportedly featured this phrase, may the fourth be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. Um, so have you heard the story anywhere else? Or? That, that rings a bell uh, because there is a great Empire Strikes Back kind of making of book that came out called once upon a galaxy, which you can find on eBay. If you're, if you're really lucky to find a good copy of it, mm-hmm. that it has sort of a diary of empire. And now, so now that you say that it, it does. Yeah, that's great. And what, what a, what a cool thing. Who knew, right? Okay. Okay. Cause the, the, the thing is, if you go on Google, there is supposedly a photo of the ad. And it's a little too neat. Kind of the way that this story is a little too neat. And, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe one of us should reach out to Snopes.com and go, hey, can can you check on this? Just, you know, <laughs> not, not that there aren't more important things to check on, but uh, let's see. Uh, other news since uh, we last recorded. Um, what are your thoughts on Sky uh, Rise of Skywalker moving up its release date to, uh, again, May 4th, uh, May the 4th? Sure. Well, I think it's wonderful. And I love everything that Disney Plus is going to do uh, the week of May the Fourth, with the they're going to use some some different art, uh, some concept art from Ralph McQuarrie mm-hmm. for the, some of the little cells that where you click on to go to the different Skywalker films, and they're going to do some hyperspace graphics, and it's just kind of nice, and it just sort of it kind of makes sense considering what's going on in the world, but it's a nice early gift. Oh no, no, I agree, I agree, but I, I do want to give credit where credit is due here. It, it was our buddy Drew Taylor. Uh, who uh, co-host of that that great Mission Impossible podcast, Light the Fuse, and, and also does crummy little show fine tuning with somebody else. Um, but uh, one of the hosts, I love one of the hosts on that show. The other guy, 
I don't know. Yeah. I tell you he's, what, though, like, I must have quarantine brain because he's starting to sound entertaining to me. So who knows? <laughs> oh, oh, he'll love to hear that. Um, but anyway, Drew was the one who pointed out that if you 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 take the thirty thousand foot view, and what was it? Frozen showed up early. Uh, you know, does it was available on the streaming service starting on March fifteenth, and then onward. Uh, which, you know, had artificially had its um, theatrical release, uh, you know, basically, you know, cut down because of the quarantine and all that. Uh, that showed up on on uh, Disney Plus on April 3rd. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing by having Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker show up on May the 4th, which is a full two months. It, it was not supposed to show up in Disney's subscription service until July. Um, as Drew pointed out, by having these high-profile films show up on uh, Disney+, Plus far earlier than ex expected, this, this covers a multitude of sins uh, with Disney's subscription service, which is a polite way of saying that paying $6.99 a month to watch the live-action reboot of Lady and the Tramp and, uh, you know, a Timmy failure mistakes were made. Uh, you know, <laughs> people weren't doing that. But on the other hand, you know, for $6.99 to see all of the Star Wars, you know, the entire uh, Skywalker saga, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I though, mean, a billion-dollar film. Oh, absolutely. Um, though, you know, from my side of the fence... The big get on May the 4th is the last episode of Star Wars Clone Wars. Uh, you know, I, you and I, when we were pre-gaming, we are talking about the last episode that, that aired. Uh, the, Phantom the Phantom Apprentice. Apprentice. Yeah. yeah. And, man, these things just keep getting better and keep getting stronger, but it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ready for the last two, especially knowing what's about to 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 happen. Uh, in fact, that's I think that's the real credit to Dave Filoni and and the team that have, have, have put you know season seven together. Because uh, you know the especially this last episode when you're, you're sitting there watching, like for example, Ahsoka uh, talking with uh, Anakin. And you realize as they're talking, it's like, oh, we are a half hour into Revenge of the Sith at this point. And it's yeah. just sort of like, oh, it's all about to go down. The um, first, the well, first episode of the Siege of Mandalore is when uh, the, for opening ten minutes is just cinematic mm. and gorgeous, and has the the classic Lucasfilm mm. um, screen at, at the beginning, and then you get a lot of kind of like the greatest hits. It's very much a love letter to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And then, yes, you realize that, oh, this is happening right before the opening of Revenge of the Sith. And then when you see the Phantom Apprentice, you realize, no, we're about 20, 25 minutes in. Mm -hmm. So the fact that these are running concurrently, is, I think, is a masterstroke of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I feel very confident in saying that these first couple of episodes is Dave Filoni's masterwork. It's his absolute mm -hmm. masterpiece. And it's it's gorgeous. It's incredible. And I think the first episode of this has become uh, my favorite episode of the entire Clone Wars series. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Well, I, I was about to say that that just the... Uh, the animation the, and the motion capture for the oh. duel. Wow. Well, no, I was about to say that, you know, that, that, that's, that's a master class in staging an action scene. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in fact, what's interesting, if you go all the way back to the Clone Wars 
animated feature and compare how they did the lightsaber battles in that to the battle between Darth Maul and Ahsoka. It's, you know, I, I, I would say it's better than a lot of the stuff that's done for the features. Um, you know, it's great. Stage, you know, um, and stars.com has a great behind the scenes video. They, they posted that shows Ray Park, the original Darth Maul and Maul from solo, um, fighting that and filming that and how, and I got to show my son, Hey, this is how motion capture works. That's why that fight scene looks so incredible because it was actually really done. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll have to, to, to seek that out. And, but on the other hand, you know, just to do what is it today or, or early yesterday, they dropped that chunk from uh, what is it? Shattered. Is that the, the next uh, one? Yep. The, the third one. episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just this great scene with captain Rex and, 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 and Ahsoka on the, on the bridge of a, a, a star cruiser. And, you know, the two of them kind of having a heart to heart and what is it? Rex, you know, that, Rex explains that the clones have mixed feelings about the war that many people wish it hadn't had, it never happened, but without it, we clones wouldn't exist. And, and Ahsoka's reply of, well, perhaps some good has come from all of it. You know, the Republic couldn't ask for better soldiers and no, right on the other side of that is, uh, I just, is bad news. And you know, what else is interesting too, is uh, it was said on Twitter that Lucasfilm isn't going to give any trailers or, teases uh for the very last episode because they don't want to spoil anything so it must be wow. chock full okay yeah. no, no I cannot wait can wait and again that what that's victory and death that's the the title of the the last episode of season seven um well and and uh, while you're tuning in on may the 4th uh what is it the um we we get uh the first episode of Disney Gallery, Star Wars, uh, The Mandalorian, right? Um, which I, you know, I again, I, I hate to judge things from from trailers, but this is wonderful quote from Dave Filoni on this, where he talks about, you know, George and what he wanted to do with the Star Wars stories, and that they are in fact about hope. They're supposed to be optimistic, and that even in bleak settings and um and you know and again that's that's actually the charm of the mandalorian you would never ex- you know if if i had to lay down money when that show started about where it was headed this is never the direction i would have picked and it's 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 such a deep rich show that constantly surprises um but oh and uh, speaking of, of surprise, were you surprised to hear that they're already working on season three? I was surprised to hear the news so early when we haven't even, you know, a second of footage from the second season. But I don't know if that was just kind of something leaked out to you know, give people to, something to hold on to or what. But, yeah, I, I was stunned. How about you? Well, you know, the, the thing of it is, is that this isn't the usual, you know, you know, behind the scenes gossip unsourced. I mean, in this case, it, it talks about how creator uh, John Favreau has been writing season three for a while and that the art department uh, led by Lucasfilm vice president and executive creative director, Doug Chang, uh, they've been creating concepts for season three for the past few weeks. And, uh, you know, that, that as, and again, unnamed source, but we just started pre-production. We are looking forward to further adventures of the Mandalorian. In season three, so um, I, you know, again, looking forward to it. You know, uh, uh, 
but you know, at the same time, I'm looking forward to the, the Mandalorian, the art and imagery book that Titan comics is putting out on the uh, 26th of May. Uh, and, and finally, did you see, you know, how many times has the art of rebels, uh, star Wars rebels book been put off at this point? I feel like what, two or three times. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but same thing that, uh, 208 page hardcover, which is being published by dark horse books also is hitting store shelves on the 26th, uh, and is a pre-order price of $26 and 49 cents. And I feel like a doof because I didn't order that at the same time I ordered my copy of the Mandalorian, <laughs> the art and imagery. Uh, but I, I will correct that mistake. And while I'm correcting that mistake, I will finally get around to pre-ordering the Star Wars book, Expand Your Knowledge of a Galaxy Far, Far Away. Um, oh, that seems like a good idea. Well, you know, it doesn't come out till October uh, 20th. And and then, what is it? Uh, written by Cole Horton, Pablo Hildago, and some other Hidalgo? guy. Hildago? Yes. Hildago. Uh, yeah. Some other guy's name slips my mind for some reason. I, is it I Drew Taylor? It. No. It could be. Could that's be. above his pay grade, I think. Ah, okay. And... <laughs> While we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know the the limited series the that Lucasfilm is making for uh, Disney Plus, um, and, and again, this is I'm just fascinated by this. Hollywood is shut down, so what sort of social distancing are they doing up, uh, you know, at the Presidio at Lucasfilm because they're casting on the Rogue One prequel, um, and well, you've got to be filled that, or, or thrilled that, that uh, Genevieve O'Reilly is coming back as Mon Matha? Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. No, it's wonderful. She she was great in Rogue One. She was awesome in Rebels, voicing the same character. Mm -hmm. She just brings a, a nice uh, inner strength and calm and serenity at the same time. And, no, I, I think that's great. It's really great. Okay. And uh, other news that's coming out of this is that Tony Gilroy, who who co-wrote Rogue One is now officially the showrunner on, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 this Rogue One prequel. Um, and, but then in the same window of time, uh, we had this news break about this new female Star Wars series, uh, supposedly being put together by the creative team that did Netflix uh, Emmy award-winning Russian doll series. And um, look, if you go to certain corners of the web right now, folks, you will read about how supposedly this female-driven action thriller, which uh, is supposed to feature martial arts elements, which is set in an alternate timeline from the usual Star Wars universe. I mean, I, I'm sorry, that that description intrigues me. But it because of that, that key phrase, female-driven, there's this serpent, certain subset of Star Wars fans who got upset. And so there is this faux story out there, Dan, about how supposedly Bob Iger is, is livid with Kathleen Kennedy for, you know, putting the show into development. And, you know, it's like, no, <laughs> you know, you know, Bob Iger is a, a typical repressed male, all right? He only has five emotions, and none of them are livid. In fact, he, he only has a sixth, you know, emotion if you count gassy. 
Um, and, and just the notion that, the, that they're doing this again because it's it's what it's Kelly Marie Tran too, you know. I 2. mean, point oh yeah, yeah. And it's just I'm sorry. It just it, can you wait to see it to hate it? Um, it's it's it's, it's a it's a long line of 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 fan outcry before. I mean, my favorite example. It's not related to a gender thing, but. When Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker in The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. people went crazy and thought it wasn't a great idea. And he turned in one of the most iconic performances in cinema history. Mm, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You know, so I, again, just, you know, and again, more to the point, this is the, the Russian doll folks. Anybody who saw that series over Netflix and, you know, the, the, sort of this fascinating fascinating reboot of one evening in time and how many different ways you can tell the same story. They're a clever bunch. And the fact that they've been invited to the star Wars table, that's actually good news folks. So uh, anyway, all right. Uh, Okay. So we, we, Dan, we spent entirely too much time talking about the future of the star Wars franchise Uh, in a moment. When we get back, uh, we're going to talk about a time when there was no star Wars, when it was actually somebody's job to explain to the world, what a Star Wars was. And we're back. Um, uh, but before you, we, we get started on the, before there was a Star Wars, um, Dan, I, I don't know. Did you hear about what your buddy Lou Mangello uh, just did? He, um, an interview he did at WDW Radio? Yeah, and a fantastic interview that, that I look forward to chatting about. And, and I've only gotten it hear snippets of it, but I but I saw the promotions and wow, mm-hmm. what what a big get. Yeah, well, uh, to explain what we're talking about here, folks, uh, Lou scored an interview with Dan Cockrell, who was the former uh, Walt Disney World vice president. Uh, he he traveled around the resort quite a bit. He was uh, in charge of Epcot for a while, then the Magic Kingdom, and finally wound up over at Disney uh disney studios and this is uh, what lou got him to talk about because basically dan was in charge of the studios right after disney had bought lucasfilm in october 2012 and you know and so dan was there at, on the ground floor when they began planning star wars for that park uh and not, not dan z by the way no no not dan <laughs> You know, but yeah, this Dan Cockrell. Um, but yeah, um, and, and first of all, I have to tell you, you folks, I'm just thrilled that Dan spilled the beans on this because Len and I, uh, I want to say starting in 2013 or thereabouts, we began talking about that version of Star Wars land that was being built at the studios. And the plan at that time, Dan, was, you know, well, again, this is the park you worked in. So, uh, in fact, all of that time you spent in, in Mickey's of Hollywood, um, do you know the if you walked out the back door of that store and, you know, and looked out and you were, you know, you could see Echo Lake with uh, Gertie the Dinosaur? Yeah, Keystone Clothiers. There we go. Okay. All right. Picture this. Okay. Instead of walking out the door and seeing Echo Lake and, uh, and Gertie, the dinosaur, what you saw was, uh, Mos Eisley spaceport. Uh, you know, in in fact, there, you know, there's this huge recreation of Tatooine 
with a broad street where if you walk down it, and there were little alleys and marketplaces, but if you walked in into the street, the very end of the street was a, a slightly rethemed version of Star Tours. You know, uh, but it, it, it literally from basically Keystone, uh, Keystone Clothiers all the way to, uh, what is it, Mickey's Hollywood, uh, and then all the way over to where the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular was located. Uh, that was all Star Wars land. And But uh, this is a version of that park that Star Wars land did not intrude on Streets of America. Uh, in fact, in, in this version of the plan, Lights Motor Action, because, you know, it had only been built, uh, you know, back in, in 2000 for the, uh, what is it, the Millennium? No, 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 uh, for 2005 for Disneyland's 50th. Um, so, you know, the whole notion of tearing down something that you only had in place for 10 years uh, seemed kind of nuts. But, uh, but yeah, this was the plan. And, well, I, I, I tell you what, let me, let me share uh, what uh, this is basically a transcript of, of a lot of what uh, Dan uh, Cockrell sh shared with Lou. So, uh, you know, so again, October 2012, uh, we just purchased Lucasfilm and it, it started to become the talk of, okay, how are we going to bring this to life? What are we going to do? And Hollywood Studios ended up being the place where Star Wars Land would go because, A, it's where it seemed to fit the best and it was the part that needed the update the most. Um, so, you know, so we work on the project for a couple of years, you get a big aerial view of the park and you get out a big magic mark and you say, okay, what if this was here? And what if that was there? And you start blocking off these big chunks of space. Um, and we had the Epic theater, the Indiana Jones theater. That was going to be the heart of star Wars land. That was going to go away. We're going to plug a big star Wars ride experience right in there. And then the Mos Eisley cantina was going to be right across from star tours. And we had all six great concepts for that. Um, anyway, they'd gone a ways down this path. They hadn't got to do any architectural drawings or anything yet. And, but then one day they get a call. And the call is from the Disney press who says, we have some news for you all. And the Imagineer guys, they've all heard this line many times before in their career. But I, you know, uh, this is Dan talking. I had never been through this. And as the story goes, uh, Bob Iger had met with Kathleen Kennedy. And her review was, there are way more Star Wars stories in front of us than behind us. And so should we really be building a Tatooine building something that appeals to the 50 year olds who saw no hope back in 77, or do we want to build something else that appeals to all of the upcoming generations who are going to get to know the new stories? And that was the day that, that, you know, Tatooine was killed at the studios. All the concepts were put in a shelf and I'm sure they're sitting in a vault and I'm sure they're going to be shown someday of what that land would have looked like and what the attraction are going to be. But, you know, that's a hard reality of Imagineering. Until it's signed, until you start breaking ground, none of these projects are guaranteed. Um, interesting little side note here, Dan. Um, one of the things that actually did kill this version of Star Wars Land was the fact that Disney's private events office, uh, and uh, by the way, this came uh private events office by way of the espn wide world of sports um they had booked out cheerleading competitions 
uh, all the way through to 2025. And one of the things they had promised all of these cheerleading groups was that there would be an award ceremony inside of the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular because uh, it was this this one venue that was undercover. So, you know, if it rained, you didn't have to worry about that. And, you know, all the cheerleaders got excited about being on the set, you know, where Indiana Jones was. Sure. Uh, but, they, they, you know, again, it was one of these things where it's like, no, you can't tear, tear that down and build a Star Wars ride. We, we have a contract through 2025. So you need to find a new place to put your Star Wars land, which is, again, ironically, why Lights, Motor Action and the Streets of America got torn down, because nobody wants to disappoint cheerleaders. Um, anyway, um, now we would, again, uh I, what I love about this part of the story is the, is the notion of the 50-year-olds, you know, the, the, the people who only know st the Star Wars that they knew, uh, you know, from when they were growing up. And, I, you know, I, I have to say I'm in that category, though I am 60. No, 61 now. Wow, I'm old. Um, You're anyway, only as old I, as you feel, right? Well, then I'm 70. Okay. <laughs> um, so, all right. Um I, 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 I bring this up because, in fact, I, I want to direct your attention, Dan, as well as our listeners' attention. Van Eaton Galleries is his outfit out of California that regularly does pop culture-related auctions. They, uh, over the past couple of years, they've done some amazing auctions related to Disney memorabilia and you know uh, costumes and the like. And They've got a brand new, uh, it's the title of the auction is pop culture in Disneyland. Uh, it's happening on May 9th. Uh, sadly it's, it's a, uh, online event only, uh, when they typically do these auctions, they have a preview period where you can go in and look at the props and they get the items up for auction up close. And some of them are just amazing. Uh, but anyway, the auction catalog went live on uh, April 22nd, Earth Day. Uh, which is kind of ironic because so many of these items are out of this world. And um, for Star Wars fans, there's a lot of killer stuff. Uh, first oh, and I'm, foremost, I'm drooling. And this is, oh my gosh, I, I'm going to have to arm wrestle Steve Sansway to get this stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, for, for starters, they're selling a chunk of the Death Star, or, or excuse me, the model that was used to shoot uh, the uh, climatic uh, aerial. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yes. but yeah, it's it's you know the the it's the the stuff that that was created to be shot in that was in what the driveway of the house, right? That's where they did so much of the the effects work for that, right? Uh, well, and like in the studio, like in the parking, like in the parking lot area, they had a big giant piece set up, yeah, and, yeah of model and yeah. Um, but. You know, uh, also, you know, uh, touching on other films from the series, uh, they have an early campaign book uh, for Return of the Jedi back when uh, the film was still known as Revenge of the Jedi. And um, you were mentioning Ralph McQuarrie and, you know, the nice things they're going to do at Disney Plus for um, uh, May the 4th. And the interesting thing is that this book, uh, Spiral Bound Book, supposedly comes with... Uh, concept art that that ralph uh just recently did uh, excuse me no uh, that, that, not recently uh kind of ralph did for uh revenge of the jedi though 
I, I the reason I, I think of recently is you just posted on or commented on Twitter. You saw an early piece of concept art for Empire that um, yeah, the Macquarie did. Yeah, and I have to admit, I I'd never seen that image myself, and um, especially now that we're in this this strange. Can you explain to me why it is right now that we seem to be in the white hot center of the 40th anniversary celebration of Empire? Doesn't didn't that come out? Well, I guess it did come out in May, right? Yeah, or, no, yeah. No. There's yeah. There's gonna be in fact, there's gonna be a huge merchandising push. It's gonna be pretty intense. It's gonna kick off on actually on May the fourth. And by okay. the way, if you're gonna be doing some shopping on Shop Disney, be sure to go to uh, our Coffee with Kenobi affiliate link and help out the show and get yourself some nice star Wars merchandise too. Hmm. Killer. Okay. Um, all right. Getting back to a revenge of the Jedi. They have, like you and I have talked at length about, uh, the original poster for revenge of the Jedi and how I kick myself to this day. Uh, <laughs> I had it in the theater. I was managing. I know. I know. My it. goodness. I was a moron. Okay. Uh, the other thing they have a press kit, uh, entitled Introducing the Ewoks. Because, again, you, you have to explain to, to the world who these walking teddy bears are and, and why they're so lethal. Um, and and then, um, had you ever heard about this thing, the Jedi Adventure Center? No, this is completely new to me. Okay, same thing here. I mean, I literally had never heard that for this before, but... Uh, basically what they're selling as part of this auction at Van Eaton is a, uh, a, a piece of promotional countertop display for this thing. But evidently the Jedi Adventure Center was this series of activity centers that were set up in malls around the United States around the time of the release of the Return of the Jedi. And they included photo opportunities, interactive elements, and also awarded prizes to lucky visitors. And, you know, I, I have to ask, do we have any listeners who ever saw these things around malls? Because uh, I honestly, I never heard of this. So what, that's, that would have been 83, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And anybody has any pictures or, I mean, we got lucky the last time. In fact, thank you so much for do the listeners in the last podcast who came forward with, uh, not only photos of, of, you know, Darth Vader and, you know, when Don Post brought him to the uh, the Disney shopping village, but also shared memories of, you know, the time. So it's, a, it's always great to have somebody actually back up these stories, I tell. Um, <laughs> affirmation, baby. Affirmation, baby. Okay. Uh, and then, well, let's jump to the piece that most excites me. Okay. That this is... Uh, it's a, a rare pre-release exhibitor campaign book from 77 for Star Wars. And this is the description from the auction catalog. This incredible book is filled with images from the film and profiles of characters and was designed to inform exhibitors about the revolutionary film prior to its release. Um, and this particular book comes from the collection of Bill Wallen, uh, who helped create promotional material and advertising campaigns for the film. Now, again, you, you've studied Star Wars and Lucasfilm history much more than I have, Dan. The name Bill Wallen, does, does that ring a bell with you? Or 
No, I just just sort of like like I know that he's he has something to do with some of the history, you know, mm-hmm. tangentially, but not not okay. I couldn't pin it down. Okay, okay, good. But again, what uh, what I've been able to find out is basically that this is the guy. You know, again, you have to understand he's putting together the promotional campaign before the film is done. I mean, they're still cutting it. There's still kind of temporary effects, no music. Um, so he's working off of the scripts. He's working off of, you know, whatever George has been able to show him and tell him, but he's then got to create, you know, this material that's then got to excite exhibitors to go, oh, okay, I'll take a chance on your, your little star Wars film, you know? Um, so Bill's the guy who gets to craft the very first descriptions to the public of these characters. And, uh, Dan, I, I'm going to flat out ask you how well he does. So uh, okay. we start with Princess Leia, uh, who is described as the very young senator from Alderaan, uh, who has been using her political position to secretly gather information against the Empire. The strong-willed, intelligent princess has been a unifying force in bringing about the rebellion against the oppression of the powerful Galactic Empire. Um, that works. That- that hundred percent nails it, and actually, um, you know, ironically ties in a lot of stuff from uh, the new the new canonical stuff since they they went back into that when Lucasfilm was purchased by Disney. I mean, it, it's uh, beat by beat. Wow. Okay. Okay. We now get to Luke Skywalker, who is a twenty year old farm boy on the remote planet of Tatooine. Uh, he is compelled to break with his dull chores on his uncle's moisture farm. The cryptic message of a captured princess catapults the brave, impetuous hero into a series of adventures on various worlds of a distant galaxy. Accompanied by his two servant robots, Luke challenges the Galactic Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. Um, eh, I like that one, too. I mean, it's it's pretty right on them, even like the age. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, but 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 the brave impetuous hero. Um, uh, I, I think impetuous is a bit of a stretch. I mean, I can maybe point to a couple of spots on a new hope where he might show a bit of that, but that's more just the excitement of getting away from where he is. So no, but, so that might be a bit of a stretch from an adjective. Okay, stretch. well, I, I I have to say they're accompanied by his two servant robots, and the fact again, robots, you know. Yeah. That, well, that's the thing, you know, that this is the movie that kind of introduced the the, the term droids. Right. And, and and the whole notion, of, if I put in two servant droids, well, what's a droid? Okay, they're a robot. Shut up. Just <laughs> buy my movie. So, yes. All right. And finally, the, this last one. Uh, this is ben, the problematic one. Well, yeah, it is. All right. So Ben Kenobi, a once respected name in the galaxy, is now an outlaw in the Tatooine Mountains. The shabby old desert rat of a man was, before the rise of the sinister Galactic Empire, one of the greatest warriors of the Old Republic. Now, even now in his old age, he can still be a threat to the sovereignty of the galaxy because of his very special powers. Okay, what's right? What's wrong? Well, for one thing, I, I was I thought I was Luke is 19, not 20. In a, in a new hope Luke and Leia, but um ah, okay. he certainly Ben certainly isn't an outlaw. He's he's definitely kind of um a strange old hermit as he's described by uh Uncle Owen and I certainly wouldn't call him a, a shabby old desert rat. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Uh one of the greatest warriors of the old republic. 
Uh, interesting. It, but uh, the Old Republic was before the mm -hmm. Phantom Menace, so that's off too. Um, and then I like that he has very special powers. Threat to the sovereignty of the galaxy because of very special powers. That's just interesting because he's not a threat to the galaxy. He's a threat to the Empire who has uh, obviously a very tight grip over the over the the freedom of the galaxy. So that one's definitely off. Okay. But fun. Well, very fun. Oh, no, no, no doubt. But I get the other thing. In fact, I apologize. I should have pulled this while I, I was doing the research tonight. But there's um, a, a, more information is out there now about the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series for um, Disney Plus. And, you know, and it, it, it literally is. It, it's it's. You know, it is set on Tatooine. It is set, uh, you know, during between, uh, you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, uh, and it it does, in fact, you know. Now, mind you, I, I have we talked about how they've crept it in from six episodes to four. Uh, I think we did mention that. Yes. Okay. All right. So that that's, uh, but supposedly. Um, these are for 90 minute chunks or there's that's been explained to me. Oh, wow. uh, but, but it, it, it does in fact, you know, have, uh, you know, Ben is, is, you know, sort of from a distance watching Luke and evidently this is what the story entails that he, he has to step in in a discreet way to protect the boy. So, um, I, so again, I just, for me, it's just fascinating to find this description of the first, you know, the first time we meet Ben and to, to realize that, you know, I mean, we're, we're oddly enough this, you know, this coming week, we're going to get to see, uh, you know, the, the Star Wars, a Clone Wars version of, you know, General Kenobi step off the stage. Um, but, you know, sometime very soon we're going to return to Tatooine and you know see what happened in that interim period. Uh, and I know, was it was it Rebel? No, yes, it was Rebels that, that took us back there, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. When Obi Wan was voiced by Stephen Stanton, and he took care of Darth Maul once and for all. Ah, wow, I, I just it's a lot of dovetailing here, Dan. A lot of dovetailing. All right. Yes. Well, uh, now uh, uh, speaking of, of Kenobi, what's been going on with coffee with Kenobi's? Are, are are we still doing the the live show? We are. The live show is going great. Our audience seems to grow every week, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's every Monday night at eight o'clock p.m. Central Time at coffeewithkenobi.com/live, or just go to fa our Facebook page, facebook.com/coffeewithkenobi. We always give a top five um, topic, and the next week people come with their top five list, and we discuss them together. You can ask me questions about anything Star Wars or podcasting. It's been great. And on May the 4th, we've got a couple of great things going. First, we've got a feature-length film commentary of New Hope recorded by me, the co-creator of Coffee with Kenobi Corey Club, and my uh, RCWK newsman Tom Gross. And I also have an exclusive interview I did with Ashley Eckstein, Talking about oh. the Siege of Mandalore that's going to air on May the 4th as well. Oh. A lot of good stuff. Wow. That'll be great. Yeah, oh. thanks. Jeez. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that that, that 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 sounds like must view or <laughs> actually it's a podcast. Must listen podcasting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Patreon-wise, what are we up to over there? 
Patreon wise, we've we've got a new incentive where people can watch uh, besides our listen to CWK pour over, which is our podcast on Patreon, where you can listen to us talk about different things in popular culture, Star Wars, films, sports, all kinds of stuff. We've now added a, a video podcast to that as well. So you can see the video, of the recordings, and they've been a lot of fun to do, too. Hmm. OK, well, definitely sounds like worth, stuff worth checking out. Um over on my side, what we got? We got Disney Dish with Lentesta. Uh, we're recording a new show of that tomorrow. Uh, we got, uh, what is it, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse, who we just did an update uh, of uh, the show we recorded last week. We actually threw out the entire news segment because of this whole Trolls World Tour, uh, AMC and oh, Regal. Fiasco, yeah. Yeah, that's... That's going to get really interesting. In fact, uh, you know, Dis- and, and, and what's fascinating is Disney is just sitting back because, uh, frankly, its whole business plan is built on the fact that it's when we're talking blockbusters like Rise of Skywalker, they still want the 90 day uh, release window. You know, they still want movies to be released theatrically so that then. When it comes time, you know, and people get excited, it's like, oh, it, that that's now available. Extra on, bump, yeah, and and that's it exactly. You know, that that's it, that's what compels them to go and buy a subscription to Disney Plus because it's a blockbuster. Uh, but yeah, this is just sitting back and watching this happen. Uh, we also have uh, Marvelous Disney, which I do with Aaron Adams, and and again, that's another reason that Disney just sitting back because they have all of these. Uh, Marvel movies that they've had to reschedule, but they still want to release theatrically. Um, we also have uh, fine tuning with a, a, a certain Drew Taylor, uh, and uh, just found out that we're going to be interviewing the director of Scoob, which is another film. That's wow! About, yeah, that's uh, but yeah, he's that's another movie that just got bumped to you know premium. Uh, video on demand. So um, I'm looking forward to that one. It it does look good, uh, but at the same time, it's just you know, in a weird sort of way. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, Trolls World Tour and Scoob both initially got a pass from exhibitors was that you know they understood that both of these movies had set up you know in kind of the Star Wars fashion. You know, that huge cross-promotional effort where there were toys arriving at theaters and, sure. you know, toys that were going into Happy Meals and cereal boxes that had the characters on them, but they were all keying off of their original release dates. So, you know, it, it just wasn't a situation where you could do like a Mulan or, uh, uh, you know, you know, just push the release date off for six months. You know, that this stuff was arriving at Target. So, you know, that's the thing. They, they initially got... You know, they got a pass from exhibitors, you know, to the effect of, okay, we understand you had these cross promotional deals. You had to, you have to be out in that window. So, okay, if you, you have to be in a, an on demand digital release, so be it. Uh, what set them off, though, was when Universal just yesterday bragged uh, and got into great specifics about how much money that uh trolls world tour had made that in the three weeks that that had been available on digital dan it had made as much money as the original tour trolls did back in 2016 over five months of theatrical release and 
you know, that was that was the straw that kind of broke the camel's back with uh, AMC and Regal and the European theater guilds because uh, they felt like, you know, that, that, you know, here's universal, there's gold in them, their hills. And it's like, oh, oh yeah. wait a minute. You know, we want to keep people going to theatrical films. But um, and speaking of merch, again, we, we also have the I Want That podcast, which Michelle and I will be recording a new show this Friday and talking about all the stuff that isn't making out into stores. Um, but anyway, um, okay, folks, uh, tell you what, if you could do Dan and I a favor here, uh, if you could head over to iTunes and not only uh, rate and recommend coffee with Kenobi, but also looking at Lucasfilm, uh, and if you really enjoyed what you listened to tonight, uh, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be helpful. Um, now Dan, you know, again, we were talking just earlier tonight about, uh, your Twitter feed and how you, you put lots of fun stuff in there the, to comment on like that. Again, that great piece of early Ralph McQuarrie concept art from Empire Strikes Back. Uh, where else can they find you? Yeah. So you can, if you want to chat with me individually on Twitter, it's at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R. And certainly coffee with Kenobi is all over social media, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, uh, anywhere. Um, did I say Pinterest? Yeah, every basically everywhere and Twitter okay. too. Okay. And uh, by sound events, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. It's Jim Hill Media and on Facebook at jimhillmedianews.com. So, um, anyway, uh, so uh, remind me at the top of the show or when you're pre gaming, we're talking about you just got sent. The first two um, episodes of Disney Gallery, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, yeah. right? That's, that's correct. Okay. So, and you know what I'll be doing after we sign off. All right. So then why don't I shut up and let you go do that? So, and then Dan will have truly cool stuff to talk about when we come back and record a new show. Uh, but till then, thanks for listening.